0: He goes from like TV guy you know, nerding out on like donuts in New York and like putting stuff up on walls. You know, putting out distribution strategies to, you know, what I'm gonna go do a search fund back back a couple of years ago. Found an agency with a good book of business. Ended up buying it. That was RIA in a box. Today they've scaled to over uh, 1,800 customers paying at least five grand per year. So call it north of 750 grand per month in revenue. In May this year they partnered with Alkaline a Private Equity Firm. Got a nice return for all the early search fund backers. He's now focused on continuing to scale that with a team of 45 between. New York City and Cleveland, 102% net revenue retention annually, 10% gross revenue churn. Again, cash flow positive, building a healthy business, willing to spend up to first year of ACV to get in these new financial advisor customers. Hello, everybody. My guest today is Will Bressman. He's the CEO of RIA in a Box and a former manager of business development at LX.TV, a digital media content producer, acquired uh, provider acquired by NBC Universal in 2008, where he brokered distribution and content partnerships. Before that, he worked as a strategy and analytics projects uh, at Good Morning America. He holds an MBA from the Graduate School of Business at Stanford University and is a graduate of Harvard College, magna cum laude with a degree in history. Will, are you ready to take us to the top? I am. Yeah. All right. History, Stanford, MBC, and now you're doing RIA. What's RIA do? Is it, is it related?
1: It's really everything I dreamed about as a kid. Uh, no, yeah, it's, right. Uh, it, it's not directly related to the industries that I was in previously or fairly what I studied in, in undergrad. But um, for me, the experience and, and again, very happy to kind of go into this more has really been about sort of building a company and, and sort of being part of a, a SaaS entrepreneurial environment uh, and and in the process, really falling in love with the industry and learning a lot about it. But um, my my original motive for getting involved is a little bit more from the entrepreneurial perspective and and from the software perspective and the industry per se.
0: So walk walk us through what the so it's PeerPlay SaaS. What does the company do? Sure. So we provide
1: uh, compliance and operation solutions for independent financial advisors. So you know if you think about a, a big financial institution where there's tons of groups and tons of offices around around the country or the world. Uh, you know all that stuff is typically handled in house but but increasingly those advisors are going off and being independent and what we really try to do is empower those advisors to have the solutions on a on a service basis and to, and really specifically on a SaaS basis to do the compliance filings and and obligations manage a lot of their internal operations and give them the infrastructure and bandwidth to sort of be independent and and have their own businesses.
0: So for people that are not familiar with like this space, right, th- they might understand how difficult like the compliance stuff is. Give me an example of like what makes this difficult for people to do by themselves? Why do they need you?
1: Sure. So if you're a financial advisor, you know, you probably love the markets, you love investing, you love dealing with your clients, but you probably don't really know how to do is file something with the SEC or ensure that you're following a compliance or sort of operations and, and documenting how you do that. And again, at bigger institutions, there's there's usually a domain expert. There's the chief compliance officer. There's a whole team of people that kind of shove papers in your face and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. But when you're off on your own or you're in a small or mid-sized operation or even really a large firm of, of multiple dozens of employees, it, it's probably the case that you're not going to have that expertise in-house. So when it comes time to update your, your regulatory filings to make sure that you have the proper stuff filed with the various jurisdictions in which you're in, or again, that each person at the firm is is following their statutory requirements to do various attestations or, or a lot of their ongoing obligations. Uh, our, our tools and resources provide people that that sort of built-in expertise and, and capacity to do that, that, you know, otherwise is probably not core to what they'd be doing on a daily basis.
0: And Will, what are these folks, I'm sure you have a bunch of different cohorts, but on average, what are these customers paying per month or per year to get access to your tool?
1: Sure. So we're sort of in the range of like five to 15,000 per year.
0: Okay, fair fair enough. And I mean, would you say more towards like the five side or more enterprise at 15?
1: Um, It really spans the gamut. I mean, we work with about 1800 firms and, uh, you know, in a way that's a sort of mean and median or interesting thing, both with our client set, but also the industry in general. Um, So we do really run that gamut.
0: Okay, It goes really the full spectrum there. Yeah. Um, very good. And then look, I mean, I can take 1800 customers times the lower price point you just gave me and kind of back into 750 grand a month in revenue. Is that accurate or directionally correct?
1: It's directionally correct. Yeah.
0: Okay. V- very good. Why, why do you smile when I say that? You knew I was going to do that.
1: <laughs> sure. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I'll I'll leave that to you to do the math. Not okay. Well, well, but 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 I want to make if those numbers are wrong, I want to correct them. You said no, eighteen hundred. No, they're, they're, they're. Okay. They're, they're, okay. okay good. good. They're, I just want to make sure. Yeah, I think maybe you're smirking because I used five thousand as the minimum, but you have some at fifteen, so you're potentially doing significantly more than that. But I don't want to push you too hard there. <laughs> Thank you. All right. All right. Bootstrap to raise capital. Um.
1: So we did something called a search fund and. And what that vehicle is, for those not familiar, is basically you buy an existing business with a group of initial investors, uh, but then don't put in additional capital going on. So we're not following the traditional venture model of you know different rounds of funding. So it really follows more of the bootstrap path where we've grown through our own sort of internal reinvestment. And... and money we've generated through the business uh, as opposed to kind of tons and tons of VC rounds along the way.
0: Yeah. This is spoken like a two, true Stanford grad. I can't tell you how many search funds from Stanford grads that come across my plate. Those of you not familiar with the model, you know, you get paid essentially call it 120, 150 grand a, a year for two years. The investors go, yeah, will, well, war supports you go find a company when they do, they kind of become the financial backing. Is that will generally the approach you took?
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe it's true, but yes.
0: Hey, there's nothing, by the way, there's nothing wrong with that. I think it's an interesting model. The challenge is how do you find the deal, right? It's deal flow. So walk me through that process, how'd you, how'd you land on RIA?
1: Sure. So as I said, this was really everything I had been preparing my whole life for. Of but, course, um, yeah. Yeah. The kind of timing for us was this was right after the financial crisis. And, and some of those themes I was talking about before, the fragmentation of the bigger financial services, the, the notion of people more and more wanting to have their own sort of in the bigger economy and certainly in this industry, their own you know, their own practices and businesses was was a very sort of interesting trend that my partner and I really got involved in and excited about. My business partner actually originally was a financial advisor, so he had a lot more experience in in the industry. Um, But then we sort of really went about canvassing the industry, trying to find a solution or or type of service that really added some value to that trend, not just sort of piggyback the notion that there was more fragmentation. And, And we kind of settled on compliance and operations because, you know, some of the things I was mentioning before, it was not core to what the people who were sort of entering this industry had in their skill set and level of expertise, but it was really important to them. I mean, most people we deal with really want to make sure they're doing their compliance correctly, want to make sure they have their their operations as efficient as possible. So it was really sort of a trend and, and theme-driven approach. And then we just really hit the pavement and started calling people, trying to find places where, you know, someone was looking to maybe move on from their business or, um, had a sort of opportunity for us. And, and we, we met the gentleman who actually founded this company. Uh, and I think for him,
0: which was what year, in- by the way, when was your one? Uh,
1: 2012, uh, the company started, excuse me, the company was started in 2000, in 2006, but we, we got involved in 2012. And, uh, you know, at that time, he really had a consulting business that was not tech enabled, there was no real sort of internal or external technology. But he had this great niche in the market of, of sort of helping people solve a lot of these needs that, that I've mentioned. And and we kind of felt like, you know, this gentleman was was really he had built something pretty impressive, but was ready to move on. And we wanted to sort of imbue that that initial starting point with with really a SaaS and software focus going forward. It did, but it
0: didn't have that SaaS focus when you bought it?
1: Yeah. There was, there was no existing technology at the time. It was really just like a consulting business.
0: Interesting. And so you were essentially buying a Rolodex, a book of business. And you said we can sell, we can build software and sell it to this book of business he's already built.
1: Exactly. That's exactly the, the playbook. How did
0: you value the agency? I mean, do you know, most agencies are typically valued on like an EBITDA multiple at like something really, really low point5 ish X. how did you value it back? What was that? Six, four, four, four or five years ago?
1: Yeah, it was about six years ago, a little over that. Um, Yeah, I mean, I think we we went off the traditional sort of financial metrics of EBITDA and um, just trying to give him a a pretty fair deal. I mean, our philosophy has always been we wanted to make it be (laughs) a good deal for both sides. And I think we ended up accomplishing that because for us, it gave us that starting point. I think he was very happy with the outcome. He has to be
0: envious now, though. He, if he hears this interview, he's going to go, oh, my God, they've grown that to more than that much per month. And I sold it for that much back in 2016. Dang, I should have kept a portion. No, no, we
1: stayed in touch. And he's uh, he's a great guy. And I, I don't think he'll feel that way. Uh, but no, it's, it was it was it was a, it was, a you know, again, these are cliches, but it was really sort of a win win scenario.
0: So I wanted to get you guys a heads up. I will be in San Francisco at the beautiful Fairmont up there on top of the hill. It's a gorgeous view for the growth marketing conference on December 10th and 11th. Now, Vasil and his team do a great job putting this thing together, whether it's B2B or B2C marketplaces to e-commerce or even mobile apps and hand-on workshops. They cover everything related to growth. And these are very unique growth channels that these top experts, and these are actual operators. These are people doing, people doing at PagerDuty, at Zoom, at Malwarebytes, at Engageo. These are people actually executing growth strategies you're going to learn from. I'm also giving a session that basically pulls data points from the over 2,000 interviews I've done with SaaS CEOs and showcases six of the most unique growth strategies kind of off the obvious path. Growth opportunities that CEOs have used to drive their first million and 10 million in revenue. So I'd love to see you there. And we've negotiated 10 tickets at a discount, a 40% discount. The link to use is nathanlatka.com forward slash growth. That's Nathanlatka, L A T K A, dot com forward slash growth, G R O W T H. On that page, it'll automatically take 30% off for the first 10 of you and then use coupon code THETOP for another 10% sent off. Now, if you choose to make sure you're attending, be sure to email me. If you go use the link now and grab it, I'll make sure to step on one-on-one coffee with you. I want to meet you in person and spend some time together. But again, I'll be at the growth marketing conference on December 10th and 11th in the beautiful city of San Francisco at the most beautiful hotel, the Fairmont. I hope to see you there. NathanLacca.com forward slash growth. Now, Will, I think maybe you're an employee now again. What happened in May this year?
1: Um, we partnered with a private equity firm here in New York called Aqualine um, Capital Partners. And, and the idea really with, with joining with them was to to give us that next phase of capital and really kind of expand our capabilities and our ability to serve the market. So it was sort of a, a, a transaction, so to speak, but with the idea of continuing to scale what we're doing even more than where we were today.
0: Did it more than make up and really give your your search term, your search fund backers, I mean a great return back from four or five years prior?
1: Yeah, I think they were excited, and and we were excited to be able to do that. Um, obviously, you know, we got the backing of those people when we just had a hope and a dream. So it was nice to be able to to reward them. Um, but I think for us, we were also realizing that to really capture what the opportunity was in this industry, joining with someone that had a little bit more industry expertise and and the ability to kind of scale it going forward um, was the right move for the company. So. You know, I can't use the same cliche. It had that kind of win-win feel of yeah. the original search investors felt very pumped, but I think we felt like this positions us to go forward in a very nice and exciting manner.
0: Well, though, I mean, this capital that came in from Aquiline, I mean, when a private equity firm comes in, typically it's secondary, right? It's not actually going to operations. It's buying out and giving you a return and the early investors a return. And then you're they incentivize you to stay on and keep growing. And I mean, is that what happened?
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: So then my second question is a guy like you, you go out and build a search fund to do this you have a big win. The next step is guys, here's my story. Look at the big win I had. Now I'm, now I'm raising a hundred million dollar fund. I'm gonna go do this with six deals. Like, why are you still here? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I really think very, very truly, I, I think this is just an unbelievable opportunity. And as I Come mentioned, on, Will,
0: I don't believe you. No, no,
1: no, I really, I mean, I mean it, I think like, you know, from a perspective of where we are in the industry, you know, as I mentioned, we're working about 1800 firms. There's, roughly 30,000 or so we can be working with. I feel like the sort of phase one of what we did was that transition from a consulting business to a software business and my personal desires and and the opportunity that is sort of presented and and is very credibly and tangibly in front of us right now. So honestly, like I I didn't, for me, I wasn't looking to leave. I wasn't looking to move to my next chapter. I feel like the next chapter within this business is going to be unbelievably exciting and and I'm pretty pumped to do it.
0: What just... I'll believe that more if I understand growth and make sure it's not flatlining. So if, you know, a year ago today or, or over the past 12 months, I mean, we're talking 30, 50% or closer to 190% year over year growth.
1: We're in that 30, 50% range.
0: Okay. Which is still pretty healthy considering, you know, bootstrapped company, search yeah. fund model, et cetera. Yeah, that's great. Um, very good. Um, let me, so, so team today, what do you guys have in terms of team size?
1: We have about 45 people.
0: All in New York? No, we're actually split between
1: New York and Cleveland, Ohio, natural uh, parallels. Uh, Why Cleveland? We, uh, I think we wanted to have just sort of two centers of operations. Obviously, there's different costs in the different locations, and um, we've been able to sort of build a a team in both places. So Cleveland was a place that, um, you know, actually my business partner has some family connections to and and was happy to live there. So so he moved there and kind of runs our operation in the Cleveland location, and I'm I'm the, the leader in the New York operation.
0: Talk to me about churn. It's critical in an any SaaS company. You know this. What is your churn today and how do you keep that low? Yeah, so
1: we sort of have two categories. There's the overall, which includes people going out of business and then what we call preventable. Um, we're above sort of 90% in gross retention and even higher in what
0: we call preventable uh, retention. That's, uh, that's logo retention or revenue retention?
1: Logo. Revenue actually over 100% because of the increase. Well,
0: gross, in- gross, gross, gross revenue retention is what? It is about, it's a little over 100%. Wait, how gr- gross can not be over 100? Sorry,
1: sorry, net is over 100. Gross is is in that same sort of 90ish percent. Okay.
0: So 90%, 90% gross retention would mean your expansion's got to be higher than 10% to have over 100% net revenue retention. Is that yeah. is that accurate? Yes, that is. Okay. And sorry I cut you off. Net revenue retention you said it was pushing 120?
1: No, just a little over 100.
0: A little okay, got it. Yeah.
1: And and the reason for that is is sort of twofold. One um Primarily, as I mentioned, most of the people that, that we lose are the ones that go out of business, and those typically are a little bit of the smaller firms. And then um, in, as part of our sort of model, which is you know, very transparently listed on our on our pricing page, we're not necessarily sort of like increasing prices all the time. What instead we do is, uh, as firms grow, they add individual users. And embedded in our software is uh, a, a sort of per-user, uh, in a way, obligation, because we have a lot of supervision tools for all the individual employees at the firm. So it's a nice organic model to continue growing because we basically, as the firms grow, get to partner with them, but are not necessarily like passing through massive price increases all the time.
0: How aggressive are you being in terms of growth and in terms of CAC? So to get a new $5,000 a year account, are you willing to spend that full five grand?
1: Yeah, we are. I mean, we we think that we want to work with people for the long haul, as I mentioned. I mean, the biggest thing for us is is sort of getting that initial um, client in our door and then we feel like we're a great solution going forward. So we, we are willing to spend... A pretty healthy amount to count.
0: how how high above that way. I mean, we go to like eighteen month payback or twenty four month payback. Well,
1: we we typically operate in sort of a year or less as our payback.
0: Okay, okay, that's again, okay. so about five thousand or fifteen thousand or less, something like that. That's great. And is most of that going towards kind of the comp model for your salespeople, or are you doing a bunch of paid stuff, paid spend? Um,
1: it's sort of both. I mean, we we've been pretty aggressive, actually, just in general in online marketing um, using tools like HubSpot and then obviously all the paid engines. Um, we kind of feel like. What we're doing is something where people want to consider it. We want to give them a lot of content. We're not just sort of pumping, you know, SEM ads and helping people get duped into clicking. I mean, we try to send, you know, white papers and a lot of just content generation that, that really has some value add component as our main sales strategy. Of course, we have a great sales team as well and, and uh, try to compensate them for, for all the, the activity they do. But our primary customer acquisition channel has really been content. And For us, um, that's just been a huge driver of of growth in our business.
0: Cash flow positive today? Yeah, we are. That's great. Awesome. Lots of leverage. Let's wrap up with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book?
1: My favorite business book? Um, It's sort of half business book, but Thinking Fast, Thinking Slow, uh, the book about the cognitive biases.
0: Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Um, I'm sort of old school on this, but I always
1: have loved Warren Buffett. And, and for me, that's, uh, I think his his lessons about business just really carry sort of in a timeless manner.
0: Spoken like a guy that sells to financial advisors. <laughs> uh, n- n- number three, Will, what billing software do you use? Uh, we use bill.com. Bill.com. Okay, good. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night?
1: <laughs> I've got two young kids, so it's more their fault than the businesses, <laughs> but I'm not
0: too many. Like what, like five, Six. I'm in the five to six screen. Okay, yeah. that's pretty good. Two kids, I assume, married?
1: Oh, I think I cut off on the last one.
0: That's okay, Will. Sorry, you said two kids and married?
1: Yeah, two kids and married, and I'm about five to six hours of sleep a night.
0: And how old are you? I'm uh, 36. Last question. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? That's a journey. It's a journey, guys. There you have it. Look, it was a journey. I mean, he goes from like TV guy you know, nerding out on like donuts in New York and like putting stuff up on walls, you know, putting out distribution strategies to, you know what? I'm gonna go do a search fund back, back a couple of years ago, found an agency with a good book of business, ended up buying it. That was RIA in a box today. They've scaled to over uh, 1800 customers paying at least five grand per year. So call it North of 750 grand per month in revenue. In May this year, they partnered with alkaline a private equity firm, got a nice return for all the early search fund backers. He's now focused on continuing to scale that with a team of 45 between New York City and Cleveland, 102% net revenue retention annually, 10% gross revenue churn. Again, cash flow positive, building a healthy business, willing to spend up to first year of ACV to get in these new financial advisor customers. Will, thanks for taking us to the top.
1: Yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it.